Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, family. All right, depending on when you're listening to this. <laughs> this is your girl, Good Juju, and you are listening to the Good Juju podcast, where together we tackle becoming the best versions of ourselves. All right, I am so excited to be speaking with you today and to be launching off, you guessed it, episode one of season two. I can't believe it. Oh, she on me, on me. But really, I'm so excited. All right. So the theme for season two, all right, is coming back to self, right? How do we navigate this world and our purpose after really, really knowing who we are, right? So When thinking about and outlining season two, something that I had a little bit of a difficulty doing was deciding what would be episode one, right? Like what is it that is at the foundation and at the forefront of coming back to ourselves, of really being able to regain all of our power? What is that? And I landed on, cliche enough, self-hate, self-hate. And I hope today's episode kind of guides you through how I came to that decision and that you're able to identify it within yourself and tackle it using this episode as a guideline, right? Or as maybe just lanterns on your path, okay? And so, first and foremost, when tackling self-hate, we really want to look at the definition, right? What is self-hate? So I broke down self-hate into both words, self and hate. So according to Google, shout out to Google, all right? According to Google, self is identified as a person's essential being that distinguishes them from others, especially considered as the object of introspection or reflective action. So I broke down the word introspection and it breaks down to the examination or observation of one's own mental and emotional processes. So really, the definition of self is a person's essential being that makes them different from others, especially when it comes to the observation of their own mental and emotional health. Like what? Yeah, self is a big deal. So that's self. And then in defining the word hate, hate is feeling intense or passionate dislike for something or someone. In this matter, I'm going to identify it as having an extreme dislike for yourself. And so self-hate is really having such an intense dislike for an aspect of yourself that it impacts the way that you're able to see the difference between you and everything outside of yourself when it comes to your mental and emotional health. So self-hate, if a computer was us, if we were self, self self-hate would be the freaking virus. That would be the virus here. Okay, I'm putting it in that aspect. All right. So the reason why I'm starting with self-hate and I'm not starting with something like self-love is because honestly, family, for all of us, maybe some way, somehow, self-hate is really the issue. Self-hate is the part of us that needs the medicine. So I'm going to focus on the part that needs the medicine. All right. Because self-love, I'm 
I could teach you a billion and one ways to do that. But self-hate, there is no self-love without addressing the self-hate. Okay? And so, I've realized, you know, that when thinking about self-hate and coming back to self in general, you need to really identify all of these different aspects of yourself, kind of like a building, right? Let's say you lived on the fifth floor of a building. In order for you to get back to the first floor, in order for you to get back to the beginning, you have to go through all of these different layers or all of these different floors of yourself, identify the floor, get to know the floor before you're able to dig deeper and deeper into who you are foundationally and then make the changes that you want to see in your life. And so that's why it's super important that if you have not listened to season one, that you definitely listen to season one, because the power of choice is what allows you to go through each floor. Once you're at the first floor, coming back to yourself is where we're at. Okay. And so I say that to say, at our foundation, we have two types of, I want to say, I don't want to say voices because I don't want to make it sound weird. But we most definitely do have two voices or two versions of ourselves at our core. We have self-love, which I'm going to identify as our highest self. Okay, this is someone that, this is the version of ourselves that thinks greater, that thinks bigger, that thinks in a very hopeful manner. That's very positive versions of ourselves, right? Very confident. Then on the other side, we have self-hate. And I'm going to call self-hate our inner hater, right? So our inner hater is the version of ourselves that points out all of the things we don't like about ourselves, all of the reasons why something is going to go wrong or could go wrong, or all of the dangers in the situation or all of the aspects of ourselves just genuinely that we do not like. So when thinking about those two versions of ourselves, right, clearly there's one that we want to have more space in our hearts, in our minds, and in our bodies than the other one, right? So I want to use this episode to teach you how to not necessarily get rid of this inner hater, but how to take control of this inner hater, all right? Now, step one, (laughs) is you have to identify the inner hater, okay? So how I just finished mentioning, right? Your inner hater is at the root. It is at the foundation of who you are. And so in order for you to be able to identify your inner hater, you have to dig deep, family. That's first and foremost. I have to say that first because... um, I feel like a lot of people or all of us in general, right? We have been trained, especially if you live in a fast paced city like New York City, you're trained to think about quick results, think about quick solutions, think about things that are going to come fast and probably leave just as fast, right? So I don't want to mislead you and make you think that this, all my tips are going to be things that you're going to see results to in a week or two weeks, because that's not realistic. Inner work is not to be done in one to two days, at least in the work that you want to last in anything, right? 
So in order to identify your inner hater, you have to understand that you are going to have to be patient with yourself and that you're going to have to dig deep within who you are. And that could be going through the rubbles of a lot of things that you may not even expect have been affecting you for as long as they have. Okay. So just letting you know, it's some dig deep stuff. Okay. (laughs) All right. Now, when identifying your inner hater, a lot of work, right? But the best part of it is that you're able to understand, first and foremost, that you cannot eliminate your inner hater. Family, I got to the point now where I'm understanding, you know, because for a long time, I kind of declared war on my inner hater. I was like, fuck this shit. This inner hater is going down. I'm not going to have any hate within my soul. I can never, I can never. Uh, And then I get triggered and the inner hater be like, what you said? (laughs) What was that? Or like I go through another week of mild depression or I go through another day full of doubt, right? I go through all of these things. And it's because, unfortunately, your inner hater is something that is a part of you, family. It is a part of you. Everything in this lifetime is a balance. Everything in this lifetime is a balance. And so if everything is a balance, if there is good and evil in everything and in everyone, that means that your inner hater is serving a purpose. There is a reason why your inner hater is there. The biggest purpose that I have come to give my inner hater is that my inner hater protects the shit out of me. My inner hater is the version of me that will punch someone in the face if I feel like they are a danger to me or to anyone that I love. My inner hater is the version of myself that is going to put 15 passwords or three different locks on my door in case somebody tries to act stupid. My inner hater is the version of myself that tells me not to walk down a certain alley or walk down a certain block or maybe I should turn around and choose a different route. That's my inner hater. So my inner hater does have a purpose. Our inner hater does have a purpose. Okay, so in being able to shift my perspective and think about my inner hater in that light, I've become to appreciate my inner hater. And in appreciating my inner hater, I've been able to break down a little bit more of its personality. And I want to say I've noticed two really big key takeaways about inner haters in general. All right. The first is that our inner hater wasn't born with us. Our inner hater was birthed from all the lessons that we've learned, from all the things that we were taught. Hate in general, right? Dislikes are taught to us. So the things that our parents disliked are things that our family disliked. The things that our environment disliked, those are things that we are taught. And so understanding that those are things that we learned and not that we are, referring to the things we hate about ourselves or we hate in general, it separates you from those things. And this is important, family, because if you're able to separate yourself from the things that your inner hater says you hate about yourself, you're able to look at them from the outside looking in. And then you're able to make your own decisions and use your power of choice to decide whether or not that is still reflective of who you are today. 
you know, I learned this firsthand because shout out to my goddaughter, Gita. She's the best. Ba -ba -ba -ba. <laughs> I learned this through my amazing goddaughter, you know? Watching her grow, it's like, first of all, the first time I held her, I will never forget the feeling of love that she just poured into me. Just poured with no barriers, no restrictions, just love. Because that's who she is. That's who babies tend to be. Just this unrenowned amount of love and joy and happiness and, and wholeness. Right? And so that's where we all started off. We all started off as love. Pure 100% love. And as we got older, our inner hater was born and got stronger and stronger, depending on what was being poured into the love or the hate family. All right. And so that's where you start off. All right. So that's the first thing that I identified that was really, really helpful. All right. The second part is that our inner hater <laughs> wants to keep you comfortable, not stagnant. Right, because comfortable is not stagnant. Sometimes that I want to remove both both things being used interchangeably. Okay, at least here in my world. All right, because being comfortable, you deserve to be comfortable in certain areas. Right, you deserve to have the comfy couch, the comfy bed. You deserve to have rest. You deserve to feel good, in comfort, safety. Right, but. There's comfort that your inner hater likes, and that is just staying safe, staying the same. If there's anything that your inner hater hates the most is change. It hates change because your inner hater is trying to plan out everything about your life. It's trying to know everything. Is trying to know everything because remember the purpose of your inner hater is to protect you. That's a big purpose of it. And so when your inner hater goes into protection mode, it likes to know what's coming up. And so when something new comes in and change comes in, your inner hater goes on all high alert and it starts to tell you things that could go wrong, could, could completely and totally destroy you, could completely and totally do everything just because it wants to keep you the same. The same. All right. So knowing the inner hater, all right, knowing that that is who the inner hater is, knowing that that's the purpose, knowing the, the two main things that it kind of focuses on and it encompasses itself in, particularly in my life, um, is really important, right? Because then you're able to identify the inner hater as its own being, its own entity. Now, step two, know yourself. Know yourself, family. Know yourself. That's episode one of season one. All right. Go back to it. Go take a little listen. Refresh yourself. All right. But knowing yourself is the second step in really conquering this inner hater. And the reason for that is because if you don't know yourself, you won't be able to distinguish your self-love. You won't be able to know that there is another different version of yourself that's different than your inner hater. So you'll walk around thinking that the thoughts of your inner hater are the truth and are the only version of the situation that you can look at. 
and you'll stay the same family. You ever had somebody in your life that has been the same for the past 10 years that has been doing the same thing every single, not that it's bad. I'm not saying that it's bad, right? Cause it's not, I'm saying, is that person getting the most out of everything that they're doing? Hello. Or based off of everything that they know, right? Because in order to know yourself, you have to be open and willing to take a risk. All right. And so in knowing yourself, you want to really identify two main things about yourself. What do you love about yourself? And what do you wish you could change? Right? So when thinking about what you love about yourself and the things that you want to change, you want to make sure that for both you are asking why and you give yourself examples. So for example, (laughs) when I think about the aspects of myself that I want to change, right? Something I really, really, really struggled with was being able to deal and cope with my anger. I was such an angry human being, family. Like it was so easy to get a reaction out of me. Anything and everything could. Okay, I was always ready to just be aggressive, to defend myself, and to really make my presence known in that negative way. Um, And so now that's the why. And the examples that I would give myself were all the times that I would ask for attention as a child. That was how I got attention in my home, was acting out, was being loud, was having an attitude. That's what I felt like would distinguish me. And so giving yourself the why and examples of both is going to be really, really, really important because that is how you're going to be able to start unraveling your story. How you're going to be able to start linking the things that happened, whether it be in your childhood, whether it be in your young adulthood, whether it be in relationship with other people, you're going to be able to identify how those things affected how you see yourself. Because all of those things affect how you see yourself, family. All of those things. Okay. And in general, knowing yourself is checking in with yourself, right? Because remember, at the end of the day, you are not going, the goal anyway, is to not stay the same. Your goals are to evolve, are to grow, right? Are to become more of yourself. And so as you become more of yourself and you discover more aspects about yourself, it's important that you check in so that you know what is your truth and so that your actions reflect that truth, right? You don't want to be a whole brand new person still doing the same old things because it just, it won't sit well with your spirit family. It just won't. So especially as you navigate yourself and as you navigate the journey to coming back to yourself, check-ins are super important because the minute that you decide to take all your power back, you're going to be put into circumstances, places, and in situations with people that are going to trigger those aspects of yourself that you're trying to change. Okay? So check-ins and knowing yourself, super important, all right? Last tip about step two, definitely, you know, all of us are doing this, family. All of us are doing this. This is the reason why I even started a podcast, okay? It's the reason why I even write poetry, I feel like. All of us have a story. 
it's individual to uh, to ourselves, right? It's individual to us, it's individual to who we are, but it's the same as others. All of us are going through similar aspects of life, especially if we're choosing ourselves. You can relate to a person, family, through trauma, through love, through all of these amazing other aspects of life. You can relate to other people. I think all of us have a duty to making one other person at minimum feel like they are less lonely in this world because they can understand that there is someone that's going through exactly what they're going through. Minimum. So now step three in being able to take control of your inner hater, make goals, sit down and set a list of intentions for yourself. Make a list of all the risks you want to take goal set family. The reason why I'm saying this is because setting a goal is like putting cheese on a mouse trap for your inner hater. If you really want to hear what your inner hater sounds like, set an intention for yourself. For example, have you noticed that the times when your inner hater is the loudest is when you are about to take a leap of faith with yourself. Come on. When I, listen, family, when I had to decode this within myself, it was like freaking fireworks in my mind because I realized the times where my inner hater goes into extreme protective mode is when I'm doing something that would normally scare me or that would scare the past version of myself that was scared to take a risk. You know, your highest self, we could think about that as faith, right? Because the definition of faith family is to have confidence in your ability. Your highest self knows that when you set a goal for yourself, that's the version of you that's going to tell you to do more. That's the version of yourself that's going to tell you, dream bigger. You can do it. What else you got? How can you make that more creative? Oh, you know what else you could do? Oh my gosh. Yes. You've always wanted to do that. You could totally do it. Go for it. You got this body bag, right? That's your highest self. Your highest self is encouraging you. Your highest self is making you get out of bed. Your highest self is pushing you to a new limit. Now your inner hater is going to create doubt for that faith in yourself. Your inner hater in its goal of protecting you is going to tell you everything that could go wrong by getting out of your comfort zone. Well, if you do this, I've never seen anyone succeed at that. Well, you know, you already had a plan in, in motion. You know, why, why do you have to do something so risky? Well, you know, so-and-so did that and that went totally and completely wrong. <laughs> like your inner hater will tell you anything and everything to keep you the same. 
And so in identifying that distinction between faith and doubt, when it comes to setting goals, that's going to help you really listen to the voice of your inner hater family. Because your inner hater is the one that's scared. Your inner hater is the one that's doubting. Your inner hater is the one that is staying still. Your higher self is the one that has the faith. Your higher self is the one that sees the opportunity to be love and to spread love. So set goals for yourself and really sit down and listen to each reaction that you give, both the good and the bad. Write them down and you'll be able to literally capture dialogue right there in that moment. I swear. I promise. (laughs) Um, So now that was step three, right? So step one, we got identify the inner hater, right? You want to make sure that you know the purpose of what the inner hater is, right? You can't control something you don't know. Second part, knowing yourself, right? Knowing the other side of the coin. If you know the thoughts and are able to identify the thoughts from your highest self versus your inner hater, you're going to be in a really great place to be able to move forward when it comes to step three, setting goals for yourself, right? Because as you set the goals, the voices are going to get louder and louder, okay? The doubt is going to get louder and louder, and is going to borderline be screaming at the top of his lungs to stop. And if you're able to identify them and you're able to remember the purpose of your doubt, the purpose of your inner hater, you're able to give it some love, which leads me perfectly into step four, family, coping mechanisms. All right. A coping mechanism is any routine that you have in general that helps aid that feeling of doubt, that anxiety, that fear. Okay. I've come to identify that some of my coping mechanisms, guys, growing up has not been the best. They just have not been the best. They, most of them, honestly, before I started to look at my life through love, as opposed to just bleh. Um, (laughs) that's the best way that I could put that bleh. Um, Now that I'm looking at it through love, I'm starting to understand that there's a big difference between numbing and between like healing, right? Huge difference, huge difference between healing something and numbing something. And so when thinking about creating coping mechanisms that are healing, I think about three really big components of self, which are the mind, the heart, and the body. So first thing you want to do when really identifying and creating a coping mechanism, right? Because family, when you set a goal and that voice starts to get too loud, you need antidote. You need medicine. So medicine for the mind, all right? The thing that you want to do is you want to empty your mind. In your head, there's going to be so many different thoughts, right? Coming at you from both directions. It's going to be your higher self and it's going to be your inner hater. They're both going to be telling you things that they believe to be the truth, right? Your job in that moment is to empty out your mind. Like as if, you know, when your tub is flooding 
or it's topped, right? And the water won't go down. You take it bucket by bucket and you empty it out somewhere else until the bathtub is empty and you can fix the clog, right? Same thing with your mind. You want to be able to take each thought and empty out your mind until you get to what clogged it up in the first place. And the way that I found for myself that really helps during that time of inner war, right, and inner conflict is journaling. By writing everything down, family, you are able to see all of your thoughts, Therefore, you're able to identify, all right, this is my inner hater. This is my highest self. What am I going to listen to in this moment? Remember, journaling, I know it's really cliche and a lot of people are like, oh, but I don't know how to journal. It sucks. Remember, there's so many different types of journaling. You can journal on your phone. You can journal in paper. You can journal on big ass chart paper. I do that. I'm a child. Um, You can journal in so many different ways. But in general, journaling is just expressing yourself. It's expressing your thoughts. It's writing down what's going on in your head, creating a transcript of everything that's going on up there. All right. So When thinking about coping mechanisms for your mind, you want to empty it. Journaling, perfect way to do that. All right. Next step, the heart. All right. In order to heal the heart with a coping mechanism family, you need to feel. I'm sorry. You need to feel. I have tried every other way. I promise you. And the only way that helps in general, and that heals, and that you're able to fully let go of a thought or a feeling in general is to actually feel it. What I have found really helps to help you feel your feelings is sometimes incorporating other people. I say sometimes because there's some feelings that maybe you want to feel by yourself. But if you are feeling brave enough, okay, and willing enough and open enough to incorporate other people, that really does help. Because sometimes family emotions are so intense that navigating them by ourselves causes us to lose ourselves in that feeling, right? So that's why maybe calling your best friend, getting a therapist, getting a counselor, getting outside help from anyone is really, really helpful and can help you navigate through the feeling of emotions that you feel like you can't feel by yourself, okay? So that's step two. So we got the mind, we got the heart. Now the coping the coping mechanism for the body, all right? It's super important that you move your body. Your body is what is going to help you release all the thoughts and all of the emotions. You want to make sure that you are catering to your body. The reason for this is because your body is usually what physically feels any intense emotion, whether that's sadness, whether it's anger, whether it's fear, your body always has a reaction that is linked to the mind family. Remember, it's all a balance, okay? And so thinking about the body and how to release it, you can do that in any which way. I love having dance parties personally, okay? You can go on walks, you can go on runs, you can do even the serious gym stuff, right? But catering and creating a coping mechanism where your body is able to release those emotions is really important when it comes to taking control of your inner hater. Because if you attack the inner hater and calm it down, I don't want to say attack, but if you're able to calm down your inner hater from all three angles, then you're able to remind the inner hater that it is of you and it is not you. 
right? You're able to have different dialogue with your inner hater. It stops taking control of the conversations and you're able to say, hey, I am worthy of this goal that I'm dreaming of. I am worthy of these things that I am attracting. I am worthy of more than just hard times out of the same things that I've been experiencing just because it's comfortable. I am worthy of more. And the more that you are able to have this type of dialogue and this type of relationship with your inner hater, the more control you have over it and the less likely it is to have an impact on your decision making to take a risk that can help you become ultimately the best version of yourself and who you see as the highest self. Trust me, family, seeing my inner hater in this light has helped me overcome not only like a lot of triggers, to be honest, but to remind myself that those moments when my inner hater is at its loudest, those moments when my inner hater tries to get reckless and create inner conflict within myself are really the moments that are being created to prove to myself that I am who I am becoming. It's evidence is the ability to truly come back to myself and accept the fact that I am worthy of moving forward in the balance in which I have created for myself, no matter what it is that I'm tackling in my purpose. As long as I understand that that inner hate, that self-hate is really coming from places of me that I am already choosing to heal. Next thing you know, That voice will get smaller and smaller and smaller. And with time, shoot, that little thing will be a little chihuahua and a little cage that is there to remind you of when you're doing something crazy. You know what I'm saying? Which is nice. (laughs) Which is nice and a blessing within itself, you know? And so, family, I... I'm asking that you make sure you tune into my Instagram, okay? I'm going to have some awesome little follow-ups there for you this week. As you continue to listen to this episode, I hope that you replay it. I hope that you take notes. I hope that you're able to leave me comments and let me know what your key takeaways were. Or if you feel like I forgot something, make sure you let me know on my Instagram. You know I love it, okay? You are everything that is good in this world, family. I love you. I hope you have an amazing day and I hope you're loving season two. Okay. Take care. Bye.